welcome here, everyone. Please find your way into the sanctuary, find a seat. Don't be shy, you can come close to the front. And let's sing Hope of the Nations together. to see everyone here um, and it's great to have this time each week to um, connect with one another and also just to focus our minds and our hearts and our bodies on Jesus Christ and just being here in this building singing praying listening um, all of this is directing our attention to the one that we want to worship and honor with our lives so I just invite you to set aside any kind of distraction or even feeling of kind of insecurity of people looking at you or what's going on around you and just kind of embrace just all of us together in this space worshiping God. Um, and that's what it's about. 
The call to worship is Psalm 40, verses 1 to 11. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done and the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. Even this psalm speaks to the fact that although our faith is kind of an inner, inner life, inner world thing and personal, it also is meant to be lived in community and that that shouldn't be concealed or hidden, that it's supposed to be spoken and shared. So that's a, a challenge and encouragement for me this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your presence here. Your Holy Spirit has been invited, and we trust that he is here with us as well. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts in different ways this morning. Please challenge us in the ways that we need to repent and change our direction and change our minds. And please encourage us in your love and just the knowledge of who we are and that we can trust you and be confident in your saving grace and in your love. Um, I just pray that we could worship you together this morning in spirit and in truth. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing Wonderful Merciful Savior.
please standing for this next song, Great Are You, Lord.
repeated. The third song in this set, a real kind of invitation to the spirit to work in us and um, a trusting that the spirit is already working in us. Um, I love this song because it really just focuses, I think, our, um, our whole faith on Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's the reason we are Christ followers. So let's sing this song together.
the worship team have a seat, and if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Let's bow now and dismiss children to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children of our congregation, those here this morning as well as those homesick. God, we pray that they will have a good time this week. We pray that the ones here will have a good time in Children's Church, that they will learn new truths about you that will open their eyes to the wonder that you are. We pray also for the teacher. We pray give them the words to speak and bless their time there. We pray also bless this service this morning. Speak through it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to pull them on out. I got a couple things on there that we are going to quickly outline. The first, Kids Connect, uh, started last week and it is going again this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Uh, at the church, grades 3 to 6. If you know any grades 3 to 6, send them out for that. Uh, prayer meeting will also be at 6.45 p.m. at the church uh, meeting in the nursery. Going on Thursday, 7.30, Girls Bible Study has begun again at Bethany's. Uh, so if you are a teenage girl, that is where you should find yourself. Or if you have one in your household or no one, send them on over. Next, Sunday. Next Sunday, 9.45, Sunday school, 10.45, worship service. But noon 
after the worship service, there is going to be our first potluck of the year. So if your last name is an N through a Z, then you're in charge of set up and clean up. But come on over. It's going to be a wonderful potluck. I am looking forward to it. As I always look forward to the potlucks of this church, they are wonderful. And so next... Sunday, 12 o'clock. Then, skipping down, church board meeting uh, is going to be January 17th? No, I think the board meeting. Oh, that's what it says. I'm thinking the congregation, which is exactly the next line. Congregational meeting, January 24th at 7 p.m. Uh, so mark that down. The budget is the big thing that we will be talking about there. Uh, the quilting is going on at the Summerfeld Church on the 24th and 25th. And on the 29th, that is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we're going to be having another music night. I am excited about that. This one is quiet music. Uh, there's going to be coffee and snacks, stories. It'll be a good time. Uh, any other announcements? All right. Then on to items for prayer. We have just one, because I think that it is a good just one to pray about. This year, we want to pray for the church as we look to build God's kingdom here in North Norfolk. And so, let's go into a time of prayer. God, we thank you so much for all that you are. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for all that you do, all that you've done. We thank you so much for who we understand you to be. God, this coming year, this is what we pray. Lord, we pray, be with us. Lord, we pray, bless us. Lord, we pray, show us how you want us to build your kingdom here in our town here in our municipality, here in our corner of the world. Lord, we pray, show us who it is that you want us to reach out to, who it is that we want to bring in. Lord, we pray, show us who it is that needs your love the most. And we pray, lead us to do just that. Lord, we pray, be with us as we look to proclaim the good news of who you are to the world around us this year. God, this we put before you this morning. And Lord, we want to pray for the ministries of this church as well. Lord, we want to pray for small groups. We thank you for the friends that we have in them. God, we pray bless the conversations that take place. We pray, bless the friendships that come from them. Lord, we pray, show yourselves to us through our time together in small groups so that we will come to know you in new and exciting ways that we can't help but just tell to the world around us. Lord, this we pray, bless small groups over the year to come. And God, we want to pray, bless Kids Connect. Lord, we love seeing so far how you have worked through that program, how you have spread the gospel to the kids of this community through it. Lord, we pray continue to bless it. Continue to bless all of the teachers that are involved, all of the people that are working to make it a success week after week. Give them the energy they need to just run with it. 
And Lord, be with the kids as well. Open their eyes to new wonders in you. And we pray also girls Bible study. We pray a blessing on Bethany and all of the wonderful work that she does there. God, we pray that in those Bible study sessions, new truths about you were learned. Things that get into the souls of these young women and will stay with them all of their lives. God, we pray, shape them and lead them, form them into the leaders that you want them to be. God, that we pray. We pray for the prayer meeting. We pray that it will be a blessing to this church, to this community, to all of the world around us. We pray for those that come, that they will be steadfast in their prayers. Lord, we look forward to seeing how it will be a blessing over the year to come. And God, we want to also pray for our Sunday services. We want to pray for Sunday school, that new people will come to know who you are through them, and that all the things that are taught will meet us new. We want to pray for the teachers as well. Give them the words to say and know how appreciated they are. We want to pray for the Sunday services. Lord, we want to pray that you speak through them in new ways over the year to come. That we are left just taken aback by your glory. We want to pray for all of the children's church and how wonderful that ministry is. Lord, we continue to thank you for the children of our congregation as well as the teachers that serve there. And Lord, we pray for all of the other ministries as well. We pray for the potlucks. We pray for the music nights that talk to our souls in exactly the way we needed to, time after time. We thank you for all of the people that are involved. And Lord, we look forward to the next one. And we pray it will be a blessing from you. Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for the people that are here this morning. We thank you for everyone that serves you here. And Lord, we look forward to how you will guide us over the year to come. And we pray for your blessings in that. Lord, we put this before you. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles on you, John 1, 29 to 34 is our passage today. And as we look at this passage, we find ourselves at first in familiar territory. Uh, We see John there, John the Baptist, who we spent so much time over all of Advent following, so much time over all of Advent seeing him make clear the way of the Lord. And then, immediately after that, we finally see Jesus come. He's walking towards him. Christmas Day itself, you could say. Jesus is finally here. This is the first time that John sees Jesus in the book of John. Named for a different John. And immediately after that, you can see that John, upon seeing the Lord, 
changes how it is that he talks, changes how it is that he proclaims, changes how he understands everything. He just begins to witness. He begins to testify as to who Jesus Christ is. This isn't the first time that John has witnessed for the coming of Christ. In the, the passage right before this, he, he does as well. He gets into an argument with the Pharisees, and he essentially is like, yeah, Jesus is coming. He uses it to tell them off. And he says almost the same words here in this first paragraph here, many of the same words, but the way that he talks about it is completely, is completely different. Where in that, that past witnessing, that first one where he's telling off the Pharisees, it's kind of all matter of fact. It's kind of all just, this is going to be the case. This is what is the situation. It's kind of in his head. Here, it's different. Here, it's in the gut of who he is. After he witnesses Christ here, it's, this is who John is now. The same words, but this time, when he witnesses the second time, it comes across in a new way. Behold, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. That phrase, Lamb of God, that's an interesting one. This is the first time in the Gospels that that phrase is ever used. In the way that it's worded, actually, Lamb of God, this is actually the only time in the New Testament that that phrase is used in the way that it's worded. What it means still comes across pretty clear for us. We automatically think to the stories of the Old Testament where there is a Lamb of God as well. We, we think of the Exodus. We think of when the angel of the Lord comes across all of Egypt to pay for the sins of Pharaoh, how they sacrifice lambs to mark themselves as God's people, spreading the blood across their door. We think of how lambs were sacrificed in the temple as a way of saying that we are the people of God and also to repent for their sins. All of those times, the people provided their own lamb, but here God provides a lamb for the people. And we immediately think of Isaac when he is on top of that mountain about to be sacrificed and how God provides a ram then the Lamb of God is coming. I've baptized in water so that I can point to all Israel who Jesus is. We automatically get that personal feeling again. These are very similar words to what John says before, but here they are his in a new way. And then we go on to the next paragraph, and again, we see another witnessing, a third witnessing of John to all of the people around them. We can assume that they are all of John's many disciples. We've seen John at work before in the other Gospels. We know that there were thousands that came out to be baptized by him. And so we can assume that, again, there are many people all standing around him, listening to him when he says this. And this time as he witnesses, this time as he testifies, it is a prophecy. It is telling of what will come. I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. 
And again, our mind goes to the Old Testament. We think of the judges that we find there. We think of Gideon. We think of Samson. When the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, that's both a choosing of them, but it's also an equipping them. Because the Holy Spirit is on Jesus, we know that what Jesus has come to do, Jesus will do. Jesus can do. And then we continue on. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Who can command the Holy Spirit other than God himself? And we so we know there's something more about who Jesus is. We know that he isn't just some person. We know that in some way he is God himself. He is the one that is chosen by God. This is the second time. This is the third time that John witnesses as to who Jesus is. And again, we see that it is from the pit of who he is, it is with everything he is, that these are the words that he proclaims. And then the day ends, and a new one begins. We see it in 35? No, we're not going that far. But the next day, we see that he is with the rest of his disciples. There's two of them with him, with John. And again, Jesus walks by. And again, John points out, here comes the Lamb of God. And both of the disciples that are with John, we are told, they get up and they go over and they walk toward Jesus. And Jesus answers in a way that is profoundly a little I think we would take it a little curt, but it's wonderful. What do you want is what Jesus says here. To which they are like, where are you going to spend the night? We know that it's late in the day. To which he's like, come and see. And so they go with him. And when they get there, we read that Andrew runs to see his brother. He is excited to go see him. He has just spent this entire time with the Messiah, and he too has been changed. And so he runs, he gets his brother, and he brings his brother to Jesus, to which Jesus does something that, again, in today's day would be a little bit rude, but back then I think would be quite a profound thing. He gives Simon a new name. Naming Somebody back in those days was a big deal because giving somebody a new name was a way of telling them something that you knew about them. It was something personal, but it was also something in a way prophetic. It said about who they were going to become one day. Simon, son of John, I will call you Cephas, which means Peter, a name which means the rock. And so it is that we see that in the first day, John the Baptist witnesses as to who Jesus Christ is three times, to which in the second, we come to Peter, who one day would go on to deny Jesus three times, embrace him three times, and then would be the one who builds the church that would go on to be where we are this morning. Word of the Lord. I think this is a great passage for this time of year. I think it's a great passage for this time of year because I, this is my first week coming off of a vacation. I was sick for the first half of it, which always makes it very fun. 
But I don't know about you guys, I suspect that this is the situation, but how, how do you feel coming off of, off of Christmas? For myself, I always kind of feel a little bit like this at this time of year. We spend this whole month, all of December, just building up and anticipating and getting excited and putting up the tree and decorating and caroling and making merry and just getting excited for when Christmas is going to get here. And I'm, I'm somebody that quite likes everything around the holiday. But then you get to Christmas Day, and it's great, but then it's done. And you're kind of left falling off a bit of a cliff in a way, with nothing left other than just a tower of dishes that you're probably going to get to any minute now. It's almost like you're, for a whole month, you're climbing up a mountain, and then you get to the top of it, and you see that the peak is all of like a foot wide, and then bam, boom, you're finding yourself falling off the far side of it, just smacking your face all the way down. I can't be the only one that feels like this when you get into January. That'd be hilarious if I was the only one that felt like this going into January, but that's how I feel. And I think that this follows through to how we feel in our faith as well, how we feel in the church, doesn't it? Like, we spend all of December, all of Advent, I guess from the last week of November, actually, just building up and anticipating and slowing down so we can look forward to the, to the coming of Christ, to Christmas Day, and then Christmas Day gets here, and we're so excited, and it's wonderful. Christ has come, and we are overtaken by it, and then we're left being like, now what? Lent is still two months away. Easter is 120, 160 days, something like that. Christmas is a whole other year. We just kind of go into, forgive me for this, a January of the soul is what I would call it. That's, that's the closest thing to making sense of that feeling in my mind. This passion, it speaks to it. We begin this passage by seeing somebody that we have spent a lot of time with throughout all of Advent. We see John, the one who makes clear the way for the Lord, the one who will usher in Christ, who points to Christ. And then we see Jesus, and it is glorious. Christmas has come. And then the true wonder of this passage happens immediately after that. Because right in the place where we kind of get left feeling, what about now? John shows us something wonderful. He shows us just how much he is changed by the coming of the Lord. He witnesses a second time with words very 
close to the ones that he used to witness the first time to those Pharisees. But now, because he has seen Christ, they take on new life. He witnesses a third time. John is one of the great prophets of the Lord. And so now that he looks forward to what the ministry of Jesus is going to be, no longer is it just one day this will happen. Now it is in the pit of him. This is who this is, and this is what he will do. He will baptize in the Spirit. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God who has come to take the sins of the world. I see him now. What we see in this passage is a wonderful way of addressing that feeling we get at this time of year. Because it shows us what comes after we see Jesus on Christmas morning. It shows us how that Christ has come, everything changes. Everything makes more sense to the point that we can't help but share it with the world around us. That's what January is supposed to be about. Now that we have seen Christ, now that he has changed us, now, now is the time to proclaim on high this epiphany we have about who the Lord is and how everything is different now that he has come. And I suspect that that's the reason why January is hard for so many of us. Most of us have been Christians since we were knee high. And so it's kind of commonplace to us now. Even the most amazing things in the world, they become commonplace to us if we've lived with them all of our lives. We're all happy to be Christians. We're all happy that Christ has come, but we kind of just get left being like, now what? And I think that this passage, it speaks to that feeling in us as well, those of us who have been with Christ all this time. Because notice the things that John shares here. We think of them as these big truths about the faith, and they absolutely are that. Jesus is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. That's a big truth about what it means to be Christian. Jesus is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. That's a big truth about what it means to be Christian. But also, for John, these are deeply personal things that get him excited as well. John is the one that baptizes with water. That's what John does. That's what John was sent to do. It's who John is. And now that he has seen Christ in this passage, 
what he has spent his entire life doing suddenly makes real sense because he has seen the Lord. John is the great prophet who was sent by God to make clear the way for the coming of Christ. And now that he has seen Christ, he understands what it means that our Lord will baptize with the Holy Spirit. These things that he is sharing here are deeply personal to John's entire life, and so no wonder he's excited about them. We think of them as the big things of the faith because to us that is what they are, but to John, that he sees Christ, it makes sense of who he is personally in a new way. And I think that's, if there was ever a way to get over the feeling of that January of the soul, then now what? That right there is probably it. What about our faith now that Christ has come makes us get excited? What about our faith now that Christ is here, makes us want to proclaim to the entire world just how wonderful this is. What about our faith now that Christ has come is the epiphany that changes everything? And there's many things you can choose from. We have a big faith. There's the standards. Now that Christ has come, we... See the one who will take the sins of the world, who will address our own sins, and who will forgive us for them, do away with them. That's something that is worth getting excited about now that our Lord has come on Christmas Day. Or how about that Christ is with us now means that we can know God because when we look at Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we know we're seeing God. We know that we are following God as we need to. Following him to one day eternal life. That's something to be excited about. There's a ton of them, but... For me, if there was anything about Jesus' coming that just makes me want to, like, John, shout from the rooftops. I'd say it's probably this. I'm one of those people that kind of lives in the existential a little bit. You probably have caught that. It doesn't take very much for my mind to wander to the point where I find myself wondering, like, what's the point of everything? What's the value of me, of you, like, What's the point of it all? That Christ has come makes sense of that, though. What's the value of all creation? What's the point of it all? Well, the value comes because the God that made all things say that they're worthwhile. 
The God that made everything says it was good, says that it's valuable, says that this is what means something to me. Says it about me, says it about you. And if that was all that it was, then that would be amazing. But then he goes one step further. He sends, he sends his only son to come and to live in that creation. To be born in it. Then to die for the sake of it. What can show you that there is value in the world and value in us more than the fact that Jesus Christ did that? And that impacts everything to me. Because if everything has value to it, then how can you not change how you live going out there? How can you not want to address the things that try to tear it down? How can you not see poverty and want to do something about it? How can you not see the pollution around us and want to address that? Injustice, inequity, inequality, like how can you see that and not want to do something if the God who does this for us says that everything is valuable. So before you know it, you're out trying to start daycares so people will have a better life or trying to build up the town or becoming a pastor. The Christ has come shows that things mean something in a real way. And that's a message that I will preach time and again and again and again until you all get sick of hearing it, as I have already. But what about for you? What about your faith now that Christ has come makes you want to Exclaim with all that you are, this is Jesus, look what he has done. What about our faith now that Christ has come makes you get excited? We've spent so much time looking forward to the coming of the Lord. And now he has arrived. And when you look at him, how does that Change how you understand everything. What epiphany do you get from that? This week, I want you to think about that. I want you to answer that question. Because if you do, I suspect that nothing will address the feeling of being in the January of the soul in a more lasting way than that. Amen. Thanks for that question and challenge, Pastor Russell. I'd ask that you all stand for our closing song, just to wake up the legs a little bit and stay engaged.
This last song, each verse, um, it's a real challenge. It kind of goes through different aspects of our bodies, of our lives, and um, is a real kind of surrender song, giving this to God to use. And so I'd really challenge you to think of the lyrics as we're singing it through. It's, it repeats a lot, but um, the, the words are a real challenge. Like, what, what is God asking you to, um, to give up to him or to um, say no to, say yes to in your life? how you use technology, um, how you treat your body, all these different things. So let's sing this song together, Take My Life and Let It Be. benediction today we turn to the book of numbers may the lord bless you and protect you may the lord smile on you and be gracious to you may the lord show you his favor and give you his peace go now and serve our god let's sing verse six together take my 